Do you remember near the end of last week's episode when we talked about uh, tongue twisters a little bit? Uh, yeah, we did. T- things that are tough to say. I have a uh, I have a brand new tongue twister for you. <clears throat> okay, so a, a new she sells seashells. Lay it on me, buddy. Yeah, and and I'm gonna unveil it both for you, for our audience, and potentially for the world. Hmm. The whole world is listening to this episode uniquely. So, Evan, on the grand stage of the world, what is this new tongue twister? So it is. By the way, tongue twisters super hot right now. Oh, are it's they? Like the new, the new fidget spinner, really? Yeah. Yeah, I, I uh, I'm actually gonna put together a book. Um, I'm gonna be the rupee car of uh, of tongue twisters. Mm, I get that reference. Do you totally actually, registered. Mm, nope, not a bit. <laughs> okay. Um, it's a uh, how much how much man could a man crab crab if a man crab could man crab could crab. Could man crab? How much crab could a uh, man crab if crab? If a man crab. If a man crab could man crab. Could man crab. Now say it five times fast. What? How much crab could a man crab crab if a man crab could crab crab? If a man crab could man crab. Mm, that is, it's a little tough, but what is? <laughs> how much man could a man crab crab? We'll learn what a man crab is in this episode. We'll even answer the question in this episode. Oh, wait, no, I'm supposed to. Oh, do you think by the end of this episode we'll know the answer I to that question? I think we figure out how much crab, sorry, how much man, a man <laughs> crab. A man crab could crab. Could we just, def- a couple of definitions at the front end. What is it to crab? Oh, actually, and, I should have said And what is man grab. as a quantity? That makes sense. How much man what? could a man crab grab if a man crab could grab man? Ooh, that's good. That's much better because it, it mixes up the order a little bit, so it is trickier. One more time for me. Could you say it again? How, how much man could a man crab grab if a man crab could grab man? Mm, it's good. That's a great tongue twister. And by the end of this episode, you think we will have the answer. We'll figure out how we... much man a man crab can grab. If a man crab could grab man. Or, even more difficult, how much man can a man crab grab if a man crab can grab man? That way it's all, it's all ass, ass out. If a man crab can grab man. How much crab can a man crab grab if a man crab can grab? And wouldn't it be a man crab could? Well, I guess if we put in the present tense in both cases, mm-hmm. it should work. This is, let's split some more hairs. If We've already split the hair, let's split it again. <laughs> I'm I'm very pleased with that. I like that a lot. Also, do you like these? I do like that a lot I'm, too. I'm doing like very Trump esque, like a uh, like hand gestures. You're really gesturing around. You've got the you've got the blonde toupee as well, and kind of like the goggle uh, tan lines. Have you been tanning, Evan? <laughs> I'm. You know, I'm I'm just brown. I should be the one tanning. Of the I'm just two a of us. darker skinned person. <laughs> yeah, but but you are. You are also glowing today, particularly. Now, this is a little bit of what we talked about before we got on air, Evan, but why, what is the cause of your glow? I assume you're not preggers. Listeners, don't, listeners uh, I do need to reveal to you that prior to the recording of this, which is at about 2 p.m., I have consumed an entire box of mac and cheese. And I will say, listeners, I did not know that ahead of time. Evan asked me, hey, Luke, can you tell? <laughs> No, Evan, I could not tell, I'll admit. I only noticed a glow, but I couldn't tell it was a mac and cheese glow. You have a lot to learn. Um, And listeners, you may have a lot to learn about the Scooby Dudes. Yeah, you might not know who we are if this is your first... If you started on our very first episode, and you followed our instructions to jump to our latest episode, then you're a new listener just the way we want you. Now, who are we, Evan? Uh, Well, we've already said our names. You're Luke, I'm Evan. We are two best friends. We're here talking about our favorite meddling kids. And their dumb dog, too. And this week, we are tackling an episode of a TV show, and that is 
Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated. Mystery Incorporated. I say it different every time. I say Mysteries Incorporated sometime. Scooby-Doo's Mysteries Incorporated. It's Scooby-Doo, exclamation point, Mystery Incorporated. And we're doing episode four, Revenge of the Man Crab. Stick with us. Let's find out exactly how much man a man crab can man if a man crab can... No, how much man can a man crab grab if a man crab can grab man? I think it's really good. The fact that I'm, hey, I'll say, the fact that I'm having trouble with it means it's a good tongue twister. Two dudes talking about Scooby-Doo. Two dudes just like you. Unless you're a lady, mm, this show is for ladies too. If you're LGBTQ, we are your Scooby-Doos. But Mystery Incorporated, this is a very unique Scooby-Doo series. It's some people's favorite. I mean, I I think it's safe to say that every iteration of Scooby-Doo is someone's favorite just because of uh, the, how they grew up with it. I think a lot of... No, dude, nobody's, nobody's favorite is Shaggy and Scooby-Doo Get a Clue. <laughs> you don't think so? No one's favorite is Shaggy and Scooby-Doo Get a Clue. I mean, at most, Russian bots trying to divide America. That's the worst. The only people I think would advocate for it, and then it's disingenuous. I, it's so funny. I was thinking that 13 Ghosts, but no, 13 Ghosts is actually, like, so much better than Shaggy and Scooby-Doo Shaggy Get a Clue. Shaggy and Scooby-Doo Get a Clue, which has good parts to it, but it's not like when you add, you make the total, it's less than it's zero. It's bad. Um, but a lot of people have latched onto uh, Mystery Incorporated over the years because it is, um, there's a there's a narr- an overarching narrative throughout the entire series. Yeah, kind of like 13 Ghosts, but way, I think, deeper. And it's obviously longer running, and there's two full seasons of it, and way more modern. And there's a lot more relationship drama. And I think people oh, also yeah. fix, have, have fixated on that as well. Now, granted, it's a bad relationship drama. It could have been one of the big selling points of this show, but to me, it's one of the big detriments. But it's still there, and it's still a big factor. Sometimes when it pops up, I'm like, oh, this is quite nice. But sometimes it pops up, and I'm like, ooh, hmm. That's uh, the latter is more where I land. But there, I mean, there's a lot we can talk about in this episode about that. In short, it's a serial version of Scooby Doo. It's uh, got sharper animation and design than most series of Scooby Doo. And a big thing, it's darker and a little bit more adult and scary than most Scooby Doo series. If you want to listen to us recap this particular show from the beginning, I'd recommend that you go to ScoobyDudes.com, go up to the top where it says Archives, and there's a drop down that says TV series. Click that, and you'll be able to scroll down and select um, and see how many of these particular episodes we've recapped so far. This is, our podcast is like a choose-your-own-adventure book where it's like you start at the first page. No, jump to the latest episode. You're the latest episode. No, you're going to want to start where we covered episode one. Go back a few episodes, and then uh, just do it however you want. But this is episode four. There was some groundwork laid at this point. What do we dive in on? With this show, we always see some random bystanders get jumped by the monster. That's the first opening scene. Dylan and Brenda are the people who are going to demonstrate for us just how scary the monster is. It's the sort of cold open that is also not... I, I believe Be Cool Scooby-Doo also follows the same kind of uh, formula. Yeah, it always has two uh, characters kind of establish the monster for us. But with Be Cool Scooby-Doo, it's a cold open in the sitcom sense where it's a vehicle for jokes to really get you into the rhythm of the comedy. Here, it's more uh, a vehicle for the horror. Well, I was actually going to say that that's a perfect segue hmm. because I think that this is the funniest um, Mystery Inc. cold open I've ever seen. It is hilarious. Really? I thought it was pretty good, but uh, I, for me, the horror overrides everything else. 
But what did you think of this? I, I mean, it's Dylan and Brenda. They're on the beach. I think they're a reference to a 90210 couple. Sure. I, I haven't done any, re like, deep research on this episode. It's certainly It's the possible. only research I did, but I, I never saw that series. But what, what was your take on this? So Dylan and Brenda are, I guess, if not teens, young adults who, young adults who, if they're not married to one another, at least live together or are siblings. Because they're like, Brenda is whining and saying like, let's go home. Hmm. I hadn't noticed this. They have one home, I presume. Very adult or very childish. Yeah. They, they seem like a real couple, but at the same time, Brenda whines to Dylan uh, almost like a child would whine to a parent. It's, what they're doing is they are setting up for an upcoming volleyball tournament. And I think for me, the humor really starts when Dylan, in trying to appease his uh, sibling slash girlfriend slash wife... ¿Por qué no los dos? I said three things. <laughs> ¿Por qué no los tres? <laughs> um... <laughs> He's he's trying to appease um, Bren, mm. Brenda or Bren. I I love that nickname. He he calls her Bren a bunch. Bren, mm. and he, and he's like, okay, Bren, like I'm sorry. Here, have some water. It's very hot. I know. I just wanna I wanna do a good job setting up these volleyball nets. And Brenda's response is, ew, I don't want any. I don't want any of that fatty, fatty fat, fat water. water. <laughs> <laughs> Thereby introducing us to the diet moisture choice of this episode: trickles triquid. Yes, trickles triquid. That's right. We get this cool little, it's a great visual in, at, in which we see the victims from the point of view of the monster. They do this a lot in this series. We're always seeing it from the monster's perspective, I think because it's extra scary that way. Yeah, it, it's, um, I guess it's kind of like Predator. Mm, yeah, it's slightly discolored and it's a very fish-eyed lens look. Um, which makes sense because, as you might have guessed from the title of this episode, it is a man crab that is the monster and it has those kind of like, uh... Uh, sock eyes. Eyes on, like, little, yeah, almost like eyes on the ends of antennas. You know what, yeah. And I think what, like, and what really bumps up the humor for me is that this man crab grabs Brenda, uh, and Dylan turns around and sees his Brenda hoisted in the air, like, like, the claw has reached up out of the sand and is hoisting she's, Brenda aloft. Yep, she's hanging upside down like a slab of meat in a butcher shop. Um, Dylan laughs. <laughs> Where'd you get that? The giant fake crab parts emporium? <laughs> Which I guess leads me to believe that that is a real thing in this world? Well, it's what it led me to believe is that this is the kind of thing Brenda does all the time. Like, this is Dylan's expectation. Which, to me, this opening actually seemed a little uneven, if I'm being honest. It uh, didn't get a lot of laughs out of me because it seemed like it was going for horror and these laughs at the same time. What happens is the, the crab claw keeps pulling and dragging her further down into the sand and dylan is sort of walking casually towards her and just being like oh ha 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 you're did you what did you dig a huge hole under there that's what i think is so funny is he keeps <laughs> surmising what her prank is exactly like yeah the depths at which he went to pull this off you know i think if i if i saw this scene written uh, if I saw the script for it, and at the header of it was Be Cool Scooby-Doo, this would be a hilarious scene. But because at the header of it, it's Mystery Incorporated, it doesn't play like a funny scene to me, even though the dialogue indicates that. It still plays like a horror scene. Like, uh, these are unsuspecting teens whose jokes are kind of... Mm, it's <clears throat> introducing this ominous tone of something bad that's going to happen. That's worse than the, the comedy is good. But that's just my reading of it. I did think several parts of this episode were very funny. 
And I do think a lot of the comedy comes right at the, right at the start. Mm. So that all happens. We, I really got to get some water. I'm sorry. I, no, it's cool. I need some water too. Okay, perfect. Hey, Trickles Trickwood. <laughs> Evan couldn't hear that, but listeners, it was funny. <clears throat> okay. How was your water, Evan? It's great. It's very moist. Yeah? <clears throat> was it... Uh, Diet water, or was it some of that fatty fat water? So it was it was full fat, whole fat water. <laughs> full fat, whole yeah, mine. At two two percent water. So a lot of the humor, I think, is right at the top, just like right at the beginning of the episode. So that takes place, and there is a volleyball tournament that has been sponsored by Trickles Trickwit, and that's when I think a lot of the sight gags and a lot of like the background audio gags take place Mm -hmm. so lay lay it on there's one thing i think we're both gonna build up to our our biggest sight gag easter egg Mm -hmm. yeah so so building up to it i'm so glad we Mm -hmm. i'm i'm i will say this i'm very disappointed that you caught it yeah and it's a great one it's very very cool um so some of the little audio gags that are taking place we know that this um tournament is going on uh shoot what is her name the v the dj Oh, uh, uh, Angel Dynamite. Angel Dynamite. Okay, good. Basically, black exploitation boiled down to one uh, female disc jockey. So, um, Angel Dynamite is, uh, I guess it's it's sponsored. It's it's normal, right, to have like a radio station for like a sponsored event like this. Oh yeah, absolutely. K Ghoul Radio is sponsoring. Uh, no, I guess K Ghoul Radio is being, is sponsored by Trickle Strickland because they're sponsoring. To yeah, be at the event. Um, so she's. Uh, one of the things she says while she's on the air is, uh, what Mother Nature drinks when she doesn't want to look fat. Oh, yeah, as advertised by K. Ghoul's own Angel Dynamite. Now, this is one of many parts of this show, I think, that's... Uh, it, it's acceptable if it's joking, if it's making a play on something, but I think it doesn't actually go beyond... I mean, what do you think? Is it making fun of diet foods or something? I do think that, yeah. And, and to um, to follow up on that, there is a mascot, and I guess he's just wearing, like, a bottle? Like, he's wearing, like, a... Yeah, he's wearing a giant bottle. Like, he's a McDonald's uh, <laughs> um, a character in the big outfit. Or a mascot, I should yeah, say. Yeah, he's the mascot for, for Trickles Trickwood. And he's he's um, he's um trying to hawk uh, this product at people, and he describes it as uh, the non-fat, liquid diet, no-calorie, gluten-free, moisture supplement. And it comes in, I think, wet and very wet. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. And I, I like, I do think it is. It's very funny. I just think the idea of repackaging water is very funny. But I mean, I think the core joke is, um, it's silly to have like diet stuff is a fad, and it's mostly predicated on people's insecurities. What Mother Nature drinks when she doesn't want to look fat, and they never really complete that to the point where you're like, oh, this is making fun of this or it's it's engaging with the subject like so much stuff it introduces an issue that i'd love to see them engage with but it doesn't really do it and i think they sort of now that i think about it i think that there is a theme that tries to permeate this episode from beginning to end but it does so very unsuccessfully well it doesn't do it with a lot of intentionality with the crab cake stuff that's coming up we've got a high calorie kind of uh uh, food to contrast with the uh, the trickles trickwid, but again, there's no real engagement with that duality. It's just kind of thrown in the mix. It's almost like they're just throwing ingredients in a pot and trusting that we'll have a delicious stew at the end of it. So the gang head over to is it what is it called the clam shack? 
it is the clam cabin because that's what Skipper Shelton, the owner, sells. So I believe we described um, Skipper Shelton in the last episode we did of this series in which he's sort of like a grizzled captain-looking kind of fellow uh, who has a nose patch. Yeah, what he calls facial underwear, and we'll find out in this scene that his nose was snapped off by a clam, which apparently had three claws, because there's three, like, uh, he claw has, like, stripes. Sla slash marks. And this is kind of, again, the show wants to be funny, but it also wants to be scary. Like, the claws are very visible, and, like, the last one goes, like, a little onto his lip, and it's very, that, that detail is maintained every moment we see Skipper Shelton. He's neither all the way funny nor all the way uh, horrific like a scary figure i like hmm yeah i like skipper shelton as with so many other people it felt like he was one step shy of getting wherever he wanted to go i like that the reason he has i guess created the clam shack is so that he can acquire clams and shuck them in the hopes of i guess finding his nose in one of them is that why? I, I assumed he'd already owned the clam cabin, and he got his nose snapped off while trying to catch a particularly a great white clam, presumably. We actually get no description of the one that got away. But presently, he is shucking these clams with the passion of a man who is going to shuck his worst enemy sooner or later. That is me reading between the lines. You're, you're exactly right. I, I, I surmise too much. But, but it's a grudge he has. You're right on that point. He wants to catch this clam. It's his white The idea white of him like viciously shucking clams. Um, to get his own revenge, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. He's re it's revenge of the, revenge of the crab man. In ah, this case. yeah. I mean, it is re revenge of the man crab. It's if this isn't the person, it's a strong red herring at this point. Um, but he doesn't actually sell clams. Let's say this right from the start. He sells. He, well, he does sell clams. Not not just clams though. He sells clam cones. This is, I mean, it's uh, a straight-up ice cream cone with, instead of a scoop of ice cream, a scoop of mashed clam with what looks like flecks of the clam's actual shell in it, but I presume must not be. Um, I, I assume that because chowder is sort of like a cre has a creamy base, my assumption is that this was sort of like a churned clam chowder. Hmm. Churned and reduced, and uh, maybe it's got some sort of emulsifying agent do i have that right yes you... have i watched enough triple g at this point <laughs> heck yeah that's not even one of the kid cooking shows i don't care guy is adorable and generally not too like um <laughs> no never mind i don't need to put guy on blast i like i mean i like guy fieri i i like him a lot too some stuff that he says is a little old world ish like with uh, some of the gender jokes that he makes and stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah. But I, I give people credence when they're trying to be a nice person at all times, and I think he's, he seems very and humble. I, I read a lot of interviews with him, and he really does seem like a genuine guy who just came into a great deal of success and is just trying to manage that as well as he can. That's Guy Fieri. We don't have a Guy Fieri substitute in this. We've just got Skipper Shelton, and he's trying to serve everyone uh, these clam cones, which Shaggy will later describe as a briny, doughy treat. Oh, the doughy is very unpleasant to consider. Before I gave you that detail, Evan, what did you think of these clam cones? Can we just talk about uh, food in, in, in a cartoon? Does it, does it look yummy? Well, it's gray. It's grayish red. <laughs> it's like old rare steak. I think, yeah, it's, it's immensely unappealing. It looks like what it looks like is it looks like when cartoons or comic books have unapp unappealing cafeteria slop. That's what this looks like. Hmm. Yeah. 
here we're at the clam cabin. The big thing that, the interaction that happens here I want to hang on is between Shaggy and Velma. Because Shaggy wants to get a clam. Velma says that's really high calorie. And and she also says, and this is, this is very interesting to me because she's relaying something that has taken place off screen. Didn't we agree we would cut out the junk food? Didn't we agree we would cut out the junk food? But she's really just monitoring Shaggy here. She's just talking about Shaggy. Yeah. She's using sort of like the... The royal we. Not the royal we, but like the we... Oh, yeah. Like, if I was talking about we, but I really meant like, you know, Luke, we should really edit some more audio. <laughs> oh, when you, is that what you mean when you say that? Because <laughs> I assumed you always meant that the, like, the Nintendo game platform should edit some more audio for us, and I've done nothing with it. <laughs> That's my mistake, man. I'm glad you've mentioned it now on air to me. Um, but yeah, she's, Velma is doing two really reprehensible things here. For one, when they're approaching the clam cabin, she says, uh, isn't this owned by that freak, Skipper Shelton? Call, what the heck, she calls Velma? Him a freak? She calls She straight up calls him a freak. That's our first Velma line from this episode, really. Um, and then they get in there and she's like, Shaggy, I'm going to control everything that you eat. These two qualities of Velma are not walked back, refuted, or completed in any way during this episode. They're just qualities of her character. And maybe later on in the series we engage with this, but as a standalone episode, it's terrible for what it does to Velma. Elsewhere in this series, Velma has proven to be very cutting and very sarcastic, but never so directly cruel and mean as uh, what you just described. Well, she's been aggro to Shaggy plenty of time before, I'd say. And this is another kind of aspect of her controlling nature. Shaggy, in this scene, orders something small because Velma says he can only some order something small. And then he leaves without getting anything. And Velma says not even to look back at it. As if, like, they're leaving, uh, what? Oh, shoot. Biblical reference. Help me, man. Um, it, it's, uh, Lot's wife. Lot's Sodom wife. Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah. That's what I was looking for. Yeah, as if he would turn to salt if he looked back at the clam cabin. Uh, so it just Velma's terrible in this episode. It sounds like you're kind of a pillar of salt right now. I, I, <laughs> nice. <laughs> we we learn a couple of other things. Can I just mention? Uh, we learned that Daphne is allergic to clams, or to crabs, or to shellfish. Uh, to seafood. Seafood. Uh, they're very general. Um, and this is there. There's a really one of my favorite little visual gags in this episode. Is we know from the first episode, I believe, that Daphne's. Um, she has, I think, four sisters, and they're all extremely uh, successful. So that's like <laughs> they're like Barbie doll versions of Velma, just or excuse me, Daphne, just dressed up in different out professional. Yeah, outfits. we call them like Nurse Joys. Oh yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And so one of her sisters is an astronaut, but then when we see her and her husband getting married, it turns out they're both astronauts. <laughs> and we, uh, and that's where we see Daphne has her horrifying, uh, <laughs> and a really horrifying seafood allergy. It's so gross it's disgusting well the worst part when daphne turns around at the wedding and we see her immensely lumpy misshapen face isn't isn't just the lumpy misshapen horrible awfulness of her face it's the fact that she's got a unshelled uh shrimp sticking out of her mouth which looks like a tongue it looks like a tongue with a little barb at the end yeah and it made me think of like the flood in halo Ooh, yeah. It made me think of, like, if a snake tongue had an alien-like second snake tongue within it. <laughs> you know, like, it's got that second one that jumps out of the first one. It's just this it's a horrifying, gross, grotesque moment that I think is played for laughs. I think it was supposed to be funny. I found it, as you like to say, grotesque. Very, very gross-tesque, I would say, in this case. I'm gonna up the ante. And now, uh, let's talk about Skipper, and why Skipper is kind of the... 
He's the primary suspect, I would say. Skipper says that every time there's an event on the beach, he agrees because this is an observation one of the gang makes, every time there's an event, they move his business. Which seems ludicrous to me. Wait, I, and I didn't quite understand. Why are they making him move his business? Because it's in the way of stuff? Because I guess it's in prime real estate, and they're just like, oh, this is like a nice, sunny, sandy sort of beach area. We don't want you here. This is where we want to play volleyball. So it, it was, they somehow took this wooden static building and they relocated it, exactly it's not a food stand it would make a bit more sense if it was a rundown food stand but this is the kind of building that like eeyore would build it has a that, it has like, a modest lighthouse as a part of it and and ostensibly they then move the shack back after the event is over and it, also skipper shelton's like really bitter about it and is like declared like why easily declared his anger at the town for this many a time he's got bad customer service skills so after that takes place we see a seagull in the sand and that seagull is grabbed by a crab claw and pulled beneath the surface of the of the beach with a puff of feathers and this too is kind of a scary moment where it's like whoever the villain is here whatever their motivations are in addition to all of that they wanted to kill a seagull they saw a seagull and they thought i want to kill that well, for I, no reason. I like that it's communicating the idea that the man crab is more crab than man. Like, it's a monster. It's a beast. It, it really does communicate that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it communicates that it wants to feed on this seagull. And this is like the chorus line of our show. But by the end of the episode, we have no reason for why, he, why <laughs> this was done. It, it, it just it doesn't make any sense to me. But... From there, we move on to the volleyball game. It's actually happening. It's an all-girls volleyball tournament, which, I don't know, is that a reason? Like, was that so that we could see the comely animated women doing volleyball stuff? Do you I'm think sorry. that was the justification? What did you call them? Comely. It's like you're pondering whether you want to blast me for that. <laughs> like, <laughs> am I going to let Luke get away with this? I've already brought it up. I think I ought to blast him for it. I mean, they're they're cartoon women, I guess teens, presumably, and they are all wearing bikinis. So Well, that's the thing. They're all wearing bikinis. They're like the attractiveness of women in bikinis is a thing through multiple parts of this episode. Brenda and Dylan at the very beginning, I will say one thing against them being siblings is that Brenda says she wants to get into her bathing suit. The camera pans down to past her to her waist and then she shakes her hips. That's a moment in the intro. And I will say that all of these women are very Bruce Tim-esque, if that, makes, if that sounds right to you. Uh, Tim has two M's. So it does. Did you type in Bruce Tim women? Because you will get a lot of results. I did. That's exactly what I typed in 100%. And yeah, this guy likes hips. Yeah, he, likes, he, he has a certain body shape that he really digs. All right, I don't need to go on that track while we're recording this episode. But like I, again, I think these are um, what we would we have described as conventionally attractive. And in an episode that brings up like uh, products that are designed and, and marketed based on low self-esteem, there's no engagement with it. It seems only to buy into that which it could be critiquing and really ought to be. And and I forgot to mention this earlier, but I think that Velma trying to get Shaggy to eat healthier is an attempt to continue this theme of like dieting and fast food and like what should we do it what should we be doing to be healthy or does it matter and so that i think is part and parcel with all of what's going on i completely agree and i think like the seagull it will return we'll keep referring to this but it will never complete 
There will never be... It, there won't uh, be a satisfying resolution to it. Exactly that. And I would it, actually say the sequel is more satisfyingly resolved. It, it is, and it is not. <laughs> it is more satisfyingly resolved. It is not satisfyingly resolved. Um, that's all, all of that is to say we're here at the volleyball game, and one thing I loved about this episode, one thing that I love about this series is Fred and his love of traps. That is pure. That is unadulterated. Fred is watching, and he... They're all watching. They're all in the stands. They're watching the volleyball game. And Fred says, yeah, they're so beautiful. And Daphne, like, borderline snaps at him. Like, the girls? Yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, just as Velma is so hot for Shaggy, who couldn't give an F, Daphne is crazy hot for Freddy, who apparently is not aware of it at all. Fred responds, no, the Nets. Like, the volleyball nets. Oh, I think he says that about... She thinks about the women first, and then he clarifies it's about the nets. And let's just say, this is a beautiful um, call forward or call back to Beach Beastie. It really is. It really is. Uh, The Beach Beastie, you can go listen to that episode. It was a direct-to-DVD movie that, that they did. Also took place on the beach. Also involved Fred's love of traps. And more than anything, Fred's obsession with nets, which recurs here. Or recurs for the first time. I don't know the timelines. So, uh, the man crab finally makes a full body appearance, and and just to touch a little bit on the creature design, which I will say, I very much approved of and quite liked. I mean, they got great monster design in this episode. Similar to a fiddler crab, um, one of the man crab's claws is much larger than the other. Um, And when the man crab is upright like a man, it has these little, like, man legs, but then these longer crab legs coming out the sides of its torso. Uh, all of which make it look pretty scary. And the moment where it bursts out of the sand is very cinematic. It looks like it was a partnership with all the spectacle of a Michael Bay flick and all the lens flare of a J.J. Abrams movie. You know what? It does kind of remind me of, yeah, um, the first Transformers with that scorpion Decepticon that's like killing the, the U.S. soldiers. But like, yeah, it has like a pan around the monster shot and it's very, uh, again, it's very cinematic. They really do these moments well. Here's another uh, moment that I thought was quite funny. Um, is the gang seeing this monster appear, and the dialogue, is that a crab, or is it a man? And then Shaggy being, it's a crayon, or is it a mab? And then Scooby saying, it's, uh, how does what does Scooby sound like? <laughs> it's, it's a man, it's a man crab. Well, Scooby, Scooby's in the studio. Oh, wait, no, that was just you, Evan. Great voice, though. My voice is not in great shape today. You do a better Scooby at your worst than I do at my best, so I can't complain. Um, But I love when the man crab is named, thereby ensuring that this episode does actually pass the Bechdel test. Is that how it works? I think so. (laughs) Uh, And, um, yeah, again, the creature design is really great. When the man crab needs to move quickly, it uses its longer crab legs on the side. And I think that's Mm. very cool. and, and here we've got a very dynamic, uh, a kinetic chase scene, as pretty much all the ones are in this series, where the man crab appears, Angel Dynamite from up in the stands, throws like three CDs at it, like ninja stars. It deflects them all back at her, and they embed in the wood of like the stand that she's in. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, like you can really feel it connect in both parts, even though it's like, why is Angel doing this? Shouldn't Angel be remotely characterized in this show? We've been four episodes in, and she's appeared a lot. The man crab uh, grabs a woman and absconds with her it is uh it then goes over to a large tent slashes through the top and uh goes inside when the gang runs up 
Uh, they look inside the tent. It's a change room tent. Mm. They're like lockers, like a locker room, but a, but a tent on the beach. And there's no sign of the man crab. Um, so they, they go inside the tent. And this is where, of course, my favorite character from the series shows up. Patty Warbucks, the cop. And how many lines does he have in this episode? I don't know. Does maybe, he have any? He does. I mean, at one point he says uh, he's here to serve and protect, but not for man crabs. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this is, I guess it's Patrick Warburton who voices the cop in this. It, it just, I love that two of, in my opinion, the greatest voice actors uh, alive today, Frank Welker and Patrick Warburton, are doing scenes together in this show. It gets mad credit for me just for that. So um, there is a sort of portly older man in a suit. Peter Trickle, um, he introduces himself as the president of Trickle Trickwood. Um, and, I, and, he, and he says, we're not going to shut down. We're not going to shut down um, the beach. What I wish they had done was communicate more strongly why it matters to him that this volleyball uh, tournament takes place. That's a good point. They didn't really give him any stakes. He appears once very briefly. We want more motivation just to make the episode itself more interesting. It would be great if he was like, we can't we can't shut down the beach. Like, this tournament needs to go on. Maybe this is where I'm launching my product for the first time. Mm. And if And if this tournament doesn't go on, I won't be able to get, like, the advertisement that I've poured so much money in and whatever and time into. Um, Fred, wh- while they're investigating in this tent, they notice that a lot of sand is coming out of one of the lockers. Uh, and that locker belongs to, based on the label, one Skipper Shelton. So that's probably going to be our prime suspect. Uh, Daphne's idea? Why don't we set a trap? And then Fred says, hey, I've got an idea. Let's set a trap. I don't like that joke. Well, I mean, the joke is that Fred takes credit for everything Daphne says. Or, like, Daphne's the smart one, but Fred takes credit. And this is... I don't like this either because, again, it introduces in this episode that women are either meek or mean. Like, I don't think it's well-established. You don't think those are well-established? I don't... No, I don't think that it's well-established that this is something that happens. That Daphne says something and Fred doesn't hear it and then takes um, credit for it. Uh, The most recent episode of New Girl... Um, Jess is talking about how she used to be on, like, a school board, or, like, the board for, not, like, all schools, but just for the school where she works mm. at, and it's all men, and she'll say something, and then another person will say it. Um, and it's, like, it sounds pretty, like, trite, but it's actually directed and performed very well, and the idea of that episode was just kind of like that, yeah, like, women are often not taken seriously. Yeah, and and I, you say it's trite because we've seen that kind of thing attempted before, but you can always do it in a new, fresh, fun way if you know what you're doing and if you intend to do something with it. Here, it just seems like an offhand, like, eh, whatever, now we'll have a moment where a man takes credit for a woman's idea. But it doesn't fit with char- with Fred's relationship with Daphne, except that Fred doesn't really pay attention to Daphne or listen to her. Yeah, I, I And Daphne think... still longs for Fred in a way that really does not communicate good things about their relationship. There's a certain joke where, yeah, it is just Fred neglecting Daphne, not really paying attention to her. But in this way, by actually sort of like taking credit for what she said, it seems crueler. Yeah, it seems crueler, and it seems like what's... What is this building to? This all it seems to feed into is the this episode being mean to its women or like doesn't like women. That's all I can take it to mean because it doesn't really give us anything else. Fred does say that Daphne would be the perfect bait for his trap because she used to play uh, she used to play volleyball. Oh yeah, and then we we have a little smash cut where Daphne is terrible at volleyball. 
All of that is to say that Fred wants Daphne to act as the bait. Daphne's good to go with that, so she's gonna go change into her bikini. By the way, when Daphne's in her bikini, 99% of the time she has no belly button in a way that was, for me, conspicuously weird. You know what? Daphne also has four identical sisters, so maybe there's a little something there. I'm just gonna run through a bunch of details. Daphne's perfect bait, she wants to be in the trap. Um, Shaggy and Scooby are um, going to help somehow. Uh, they're they're watching the crab. They're actually they think that Skipper Shelton is the man crab, so they are watching the clam cabin um, to see if I guess he puts on the man crab suit. Um, and and they're talking about how they love crab uh, or eating it or had in the past prior to the appearance of this beast, and all of the things that they describe are not actual crab dishes. Really? What what did they describe? I always, I love it when Scooby and Shaggy talk about food. So if, if they were talking about crab food, what would you say? Uh, crab cakes, crab legs, mm-hmm. um, yep, crab rangoon. Sorry, what? Rangoon, excuse me. <laughs> crab rangoon. When I grew up, we had mostly like this viscous liquid crab stuff, crab rangoon. <laughs> but what did they describe? Um, they describe, the, or they, they dream wistfully about uh, crab brulee, crabaroni. Which is just like, sounds like lobster mac and cheese, which is like a thing. That sounds good. Crabberoni sounds good. And crabsicles. Mm-mm. Nope. So bad. Which I assume is just um, artificial crab meat, like the frozen Frozen kind, artificial crab meat. Stuck popsicle sticks. Oh, these are just very poor college students. That makes, <laughs> it's very consistent with my picture of Shaggy and Scooby in my mind. Um, but, but Shaggy's like, no, 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 like, we can't go to the clam cabin, like I promised uh, Daphne, and then like, oh, or sorry, Velma. Or um, myself, I wouldn't eat mochang food. It's this Scooby and Shaggy don't get a ton to do, as far as like interacting with one another. Um, well, almost all that they do, because again, they've set Velma up as the villain in Scooby and Shaggy's friendship, or potentially Shaggy because he's not owning up to his relationship with Velma. Though Velma's pushing it in a way that's really not healthy. And because they set it up that way, it puts Scooby and Shaggy at odds, where there's this long-running secret between the two of them, who four episodes in has not been furthered or resolved. So it is It is a weird trap that Fred sets. Basically, it's... I'm glad we're going into the detail of the trap. I guess standard, in that um, the crab monster will step on a plunger that has been hidden... In the sand. In the sand, and will then be catapulted into a waiting pot, a large one, like a very large pot... A big old cauldron. And then a lid will shut down on it, thereby trapping the crab. And I feel like there's a real Chekhov's gun in which Fred is admiring the volleyball nets. And he's saying that, like, oh, like, those are some, like, high tensile strength uh, nets. He does. Oh, yeah. He's, I wonder what the, what the tensile strength is. I love that detail. Never do anything with nets in this episode. And it just seems so obvious, right? The volleyball nets are there. They're waiting. They're begging to be used. No, we're going to do a cauldron and a plunger. Listeners, it's not that we failed to set that up. That was never set up. That's the thing. I think the thing about the cauldron is that there's it's too mm. weird. It's too wacky. Um, By the way, listeners, in the previous episode, Fred's trap involves a massive aquarium with a huge shark in it. With a shark in it, <laughs> which I think he puts in City Hall. I, for some reason, think that is very funny but not this cauldron. I So what's the difference? Why do you think that is? I think it's funny because it's, one, it's too dangerous, and it's absurd in the scale of getting an actual shark aquarium 
in City Hall for the one purpose of this, and we can see the prank. We see it. The cauldron makes no sense. It's not even absurd. It just doesn't make sense. It's not played as a joke. Neither does the plunger. The rest of the trap we don't even see. We just, it's not even, it's, no part of it is a joke. It's all played straight. No part of it is justified. I'm sorry to be ragging on this so much, but it, it's, a, it doesn't really work for me. But to further the, th the story along, Shaggy does ultimately want to get one of those crab cones. Scooby talks him into it. So Shaggy walks out and, of course, triggers the trap, getting stuck in the pot himself. So we did. you did say that um, Daphne was changing into her bikini. She does a whole, like, oh, like this old thing, even though she looks pretty, uh, pretty attractive. Um, and there is even, like, a little, while Daphne and Velma are having what is almost a heart-to-heart, like, they come so close to revealing to one another that, um, that Daphne is into Fred and that Velma digs Shaggy. Um, while all of this is going on, there is a pretty, mm -hmm. not blatantly fanservice-y because they don't go into detail, but, like, the general idea is pretty fanservice-y, which is, um, hey, Velma, can you, can you rub, uh, sunscreen on me? Well, I mean, when Daphne jumps out of the mystery machine, I think it is a very, like, uh, she's kind of showing off her figure a little bit. She wants to look good for Fred, and she's doing that for the audience here as maybe, like, a preview. And then she asks Velma to, like, yeah, rub some, uh, like, baby oil or lotion on her back or sunscreen because Fred likes shiny things, which I think is pretty funny. I like that. But it is all, like, she wants to look good for Fred. It's all about Fred. This is never completed in a way that says, you know what, maybe look good for yourself or maybe... It's not necessarily, maybe Fred isn't, I mean, it's it's all supported. This kind of thinking is portrayed in the episode by reading the plot as correct. And it's, it's, I mean, it's certainly not refuted. And then also Daphne gets grabbed by the man crab and it disappears with her into the sand. Um, the trap doesn't work because Shaggy is inside of it. And Fred like screams to the heavens, no! As he's clawing the sand, she was so shiny! <laughs> Which is a great line. I love that. <clears throat> and he he's clawing at the sand where she's been pulled under. Um, and they are at K. Ghoul, and he continues to claw at the at the ground, trying trying to get to Daphne. And this isn't the first time that Fred has had spiraled hard. Yeah, and I feel like he Fred failing. I think he has a lot. He has maybe not a lot of neuroses, but like one neurose. Failing to, I mean, his goal is to catch monsters, and he hates to fail to catch monsters. I think when he fails, he puts himself in a bad place, and he gets in these, like, really negatively dangerous funks, if I yeah. can call them that. I think it's, I mean, it indicates he has one source of self-worth, and that's traps and catching criminals. Um, although it's somewhat conflated now with Daphne, because Daphne was kidnapped, and he seems broken up about her specifically, which seems like that's the growth that the episode is indicating. Oh, Fred does maybe have some feelings for Daphne. Um, one little tidbit. Can we can we talk Easter eggs for just a moment? Do you mean the Easter egg that we breezed past earlier? We breezed way past at the beginning. The reason I ask right now is because we see the license plate of the mystery machine uh, when Daphne finishes changing in the bikini. It's 345600, which, of course, we all know is the uh, color hex code. Oh, no. Relative for, for dark green. So, definitely an Easter egg there. Couldn't be anything else. It's also the first uh, six numbers of my social security number. But the bigger Easter egg was much earlier on. No, you don't think... Evan, you're giving me a look like I shouldn't have given that out. Is it actually? 
No, it's not. <laughs> I can't believe Well, I'm glad I got you there. Um, but way earlier on, if we can back up to the beginning, when we're panning through the volleyball tournament, there's two characters in the background. Yeah, so there's this, there's this one black guy, and you'll notice that he's wearing blue shorts. Um, and what you might... Are you effing with me? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Your face, you went for a drink too and then like you paused mid <laughs> I mean I was excited initially I'm like whoa is there a reference here is there gonna be something I was hoping it would be like black dynamite or something because we have angel dynamite in this or something like that and uh, there's not no it's it's uh, pebbles and bam bam from the Flintstones all grown up you can even tell because um, pebbles has a little bone in her hair yeah, she does, just like the original. And and they're, and Bam Bam is recognizably white-haired, despite being young and hunky. It's it's pretty cool. It's I mean, they're, it's a little bit of a Hanna-Barbera crossover. I like it. And I, I found with a little research, it's from the Bam Bam and Pebbles show. It's not from Simpsons. They were, they, there was a grown-up version of them with a TV show. At yeah, one no, point. I, I did know that. You did know that? Yeah. I had no idea. Which made me like it more. I like it better when it's like, oh, these are these two relatively obscure characters all grown up. I really like the Rugrats show. I thought it was pretty good. I want a live-action Rugrats adult show. I don't understand. Do you mean, like, Tommy, Chucky, Phil, Lil, Angelica, um, Dale? Who am I missing? I want I want Rugrats as New Girl. You want them all, like, actual adults, but, like, filmed with, like, actual living, breathing human actors. Yeah. You know what? Future episode fan cast for live action adult Rugrats. Huh? I love that idea. Actually. That's good, huh? All right, listeners, we're no longer doing this episode. I've made it clear that it's not my favorite, so we're now doing a live action fan cast for Rugrats. I think new podcast. Uh, Rugrats. New podcast entirely. Wow. We just fan cast the Rugrats at various different ages. Um, We've got everything from newborn to geriatric. I, I was thinking more recaps, but yeah, sure. I would just fan cast, just Rugrats fan cast. Yeah, I mean, we could do recaps, but during it, say who we thought would do that that scene better. If there is not a Rugrats podcast called um, Rugrants, Ooh. that seems like such a waste to me. That's good. That's Rugrants is very good. And then, and then I imagine like it's the theme song, and then just like a like a sick beat under it. You know what I mean? Like, do, 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 do. And then I I can't do. do. That'd be so... I would listen to it. I would, I would actually listen to it. Uh, listeners, we're going to stop this recording right now and delete everything we've done so far for Scooby Dudes. It's garbage compared to our new idea. We're going to burn all of it down. We'll burn it to the ground. We're going to light it. Let's, let's just... Fred, Fred is in a funk. Fred is in a spiral. Mm. They are at Kegel. He can't get out of his own head. Luckily for the gang, there is mail. Scooby goes to get it. It's from Mr. E. Mr. E has been giving them hints and clues for the overarching story throughout the uh, series so far. He's voiced by Louis Black, and we know him by his wax seal insignia of an E. The only thing I know about Louis Black is that he was anger and inside out. Ah, uh, yeah. I, I've seen his a lot of his comedy stuff here and there. I, I will say of his performance in this show, it's laid on thick enough that it sounds like he was given no part of the script except the parts that he reads, and he delivered them all in one sitting. I will also say this, and I don't want to dwell on it too much because I worry about you having to cut a lot out of this recording. So many of their mysteries are solved not in full, but in part by Mr. E, that it cheapens them a little bit. 
It doesn't, and it doesn't really further the mystery of who is Mr. E. Um, there is a little bit of that in this episode, but the this show's balance between monster of the week and overarching plot is a little uneven for me. But I've got I've given plenty of criticism so far. What Mr. E has given the gang is an excerpt from a newspaper and an eight track. Uh, so the excerpt from the newspaper just talks about how a long, long time ago there were four teens. Uh, and they were exploring the caverns beneath Crystal Cove, and they disappeared. And it looks to be from, like, I don't know, like the 50s or something. It's black and white. I guess that's all newspapers. Never mind. <laughs> they also have an 8-track, and my favorite gag probably of the episode <laughs> is where Fred takes the 8-track and puts it on a record player and then drops the needle. <laughs> so we just see it rotating around, bouncing the needle every time it passes. Angel looks at him like he is a oh. gosh-darn idiot. It's very funny. Fred as an idiot is the like one truly redeeming part of this show for me. <laughs> it's so funny because when he did that, I didn't see anything wrong with what he was doing for the first few seconds. I, had, I was like, okay. She pops it in, and that's when we get Lewis Black narrating some details, um, basically saying, go to the Crystal Cove library to explore this further. Uh, he says, not the first time kids have disappeared from Crystal Cove. Worth researching, don't you think? Um, and I will say that for as helpful and accommodating as Angel is being, uh, they roast her pretty hard. Really? What do they say? They're talking about, like, these kids or whatever, and they're like, oh, did you know them? Yeah, they, they're they like, Angel, did, did you know these four kids? And, and she, she is like, no, I don't know them. Like, it's that level of suspicious. I thought it was her being insulted, just like, you guys, I, like... She's what, like, at her oldest in her 30s? Well, I mean, I think Angel, in previous episodes that we've seen before, has, uh, like, at a critical moment or at the end of the episode, done, like, the camera zooms into her and she looks both ways really quickly. Like, she's just been shown by editing and visuals alone to be suspicious. Vaguely suspicious. I have never, I have never they, they, seen I think there have been moments of this previously where it's like, Angel seems like an odd addition and they're seeming to indicate that there's something more with her, but they try and do that without characterizing her at all because, spoiler alert, she's a woman. We can't have any of that. If, if we do characterize her, we'll give her one negative quality and make that everything. So they go to the library, um, specifically to a part of the library that Velma says is called The Morgue, uh, and they're looking at the old, um, they're just looking at the old newspapers? Pretty much. I mean, uh, what's it called? Photo, the filter, the, uh, never mind. Microfilm? Microfiche. Microfiche. I am a little disappointed you got it, because I had it immediately. <laughs> barely. And I barely got there, too. <laughs> um, it's not microfiche. It's just on the computer. It's on the, Dang uh, it! It looks like it's Mother. just digital <laughs> files. <laughs> Uh, it's all about A. It's more about the journey than the destination. <laughs> Although I did end up at the wrong destination. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your motto uh, is it's not about the journey or the destination. <laughs> yeah. Because I stay at home, baby. <laughs> um, uh, they find out that Skipper Shelton for decades has been saying that if the company doesn't stop moving to Shaq... <laughs> he will take revenge on the town. Um, he'll take drastic action. Uh, and that also the caverns go, the ca the Crystal Cove caverns extend beneath the beach. Uh, they do head down to, um, they head down to these little caverns, um, and they find some weird stuff. Like, they find that someone has created a very intricate, and, like, you, 
what you would see have you ever played skyrim i've seen skyrim played have you seen like in the mines like they have all of the in skyrim yeah that's they most of what i know skyrim for i know two things i know being in very dense little tight packed mines and running out of lock picks and i know exploring space at the hands of giants those are the two skyrim things i know along with thomas the train engine i guess there's a third one <laughs> So, um, yeah, someone has sort of constructed a very, very intricate, elaborate series of wooden stairs that go up around, I guess, what is massive, a massive stalactite stalagmite sort of thing. Yeah, I see what you're saying right now. Actually, what this made me think of was the first Hobbit film. Uh, oh. The Gnome King, you know that? The Except Gnome King. the scene in this episode lasts about two hours less long. It's about two hours shorter. Do you mean the Goblin King? It's very long. It's very long, but hey, it's also bad. Um, and also, don't they kill the Goblin King by, like, doesn't Gandalf just, like, slice what? his throat open, like, on screen? Yeah, like, it just stabs in there. And then they have, like, a DreamWorks Pixar-style, like, 20-minute chase scene through the mines. I like, I like the chase scene. But it is, like, the sense of setting underground is very real. I really liked it. And they do come across a hanging cage. There's a cage suspended from the cave ceiling. And inside the cage, um, there's Daphne, there's Brenda, there's some other teens. And what I found delightful. There's the seagull. This has got to be the best part of the episode along with some of Fred's lines. Just the fact that the seagull is also in this cage, it could easily fly out of. <laughs> it just really like... After the crab, let's say that the man crab grabbed the seagull in a means of sort of like creating impending tension for anyone who might have noticed it on the beach at the mm. volleyball tournament. The man crab does not then need to keep the seagull in its possession. Yeah, like keep it locked up as if people would see the seagull flying around being like, hey, that seagull made it back out. I guess this <laughs> crab's not a big deal anyway. Guys, that crab's a big wuss. And I like that the seagull is sitting in the cage and just kind of like being a super chill bird. Now, in, in your mind, is that the last moment with the seagull? Uh, yes. It is not. I will say that. Now, let's keep moving on. So, <laughs> I, li I like that when Fred... I'm going to come back to the seagull. I like that when Fred approaches the cage, he's like, Daphne, you're all right. Whoa, this is a nice cage. Yeah, he, he instantly starts to admire the craft work craft handiwork of this trap craftsmanship but yeah he does seem genuinely concerned over daphne uh if just for a moment between his trap concerns uh the man crab does appear there is a very there's a f somewhat lengthy chase scene i wish that it had been scored like almost any other iteration of scooby-doo before we get to the chase scene can i just say one thing the gang gets out there's a moment where the pigeon or the no the seagull flies away the crab appears and then chucks the cage at the gang. And in what looks to me like a moment that's reminiscent of a baseball YouTube video. <gasps> Are you serious? It looks like this. You could read it as the seagull flies out of the way. You could also read it as the seagull explodes by connecting with a projectile against like... Okay, I have so many YouTube clips I'm putting in the show notes for this episode. And that one is definitely going to be on there. That is a PG-13 sight gag. That is, that is the sort of thing that you would see in a Michael Bay movie. You could say, I think, I'm looking at it again now, I think they meant for the seagull to have flown out of the way, it could not be less clear. And it happens so instantly quickly that the only reason to do it this way, in my mind, is to make me think that a 90 mile per hour baseball, like, connection happened. 
Listeners, go to ScoobyDudes.com and watch this video. You will regret it. <laughs> oh, I remember one time in college, and I feel very shameful about this. I don't know why I'm airing this on the podcast, but at one point, because the baseball bird video had just gotten me so like, ah, like this is funny and gross, I would just watch animals get hit by race cars. I would just like... <gasps> <laughs> You know what? I will say my part. When you say that, like five videos come to mind for me. <laughs> the deer one is hilarious. I would say the race car with the deer, right? Where it flies end over end up into the canopy. <laughs> Not the canopy of the vehicle, of the surrounding foliage. Oh, man. The comedy of that. Where flora is meets fauna. Impeccable. Man. We watched a lot of questionable YouTube videos in college. <laughs> Most of which will not make it onto the podcast. Are we thinking about the same one? I feel like we're thinking about the same. There are so one, many we could be thinking, thinking about. One specific video. Uh, wait, are we talking about? Hang on, grape on a bed of lettuce. Does that mean anything to you? <laughs> no, I'm making I'm not. you think of something else. Okay, I don't know. That's what comes to mind. Tell you about the watermelon. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, you're going to have to figure these out for yourself. We are not helping you. Listeners, you are not going to hear this. This isn't getting into the podcast. Well, I don't know about that, but you're definitely not getting any follow-up detail. So, the chase scene, I think you wanted to talk about, you felt should have been scored. But I think the thing is with these chase scenes in this iteration of Scooby-Doo, they're not funny at all. They're not fun at all. They're purely scary. This is a callback to 80s horror movies. Yeah, you're right. I, I, we could talk about whether or not it works here, but I think they're trying to be as scary and action-packed as possible. And it's an extended, like, at least two, three-minute chase scene. And it is it is very cinematic. It is very, like, there's some high-flying, there's some death-defying, there's some, there's some acts. Um, oh, yeah. There's no Scooby-Doop. That, that, uh, no. Let's, let's, let's hit that now. Let's not wait till the end of the episode. What should the Scooby-Doop have been in this? And the Scooby-Doop, for our listeners... Who don't know? Oh, of course. It's a gag that Scooby and Shaggy engage in. Typically when they're being chased by the monster and they need to make a quick getaway, especially when they're cornered, they put on a little bit of a gag, an act for the monster. They, How would you describe it, Evan? Uh, they create a social scenario in which the pressures are so great that the monster is forced to comply with them. For instance, we're here at a, uh, a beach volleyball tournament. I think one thing that makes easy sense is that Scooby and Shaggy are uh, engaging in a volleyball tourney. And the crab, it, it, they force the crab to be the ref? No. And the crab is the other volleyball player. Or not volleyball at all. What do you think, Evan? Let's writer's room this. I'm not thinking about your gag at all. I'm trying to write my own. Yeah, I, I can tell that you're already, you're like, well, that's, <laughs> that's a dead end Luke is walking down. I'd better see what's another direction. Again, neither the journey nor the destination for this guy. Here's my idea. And, and I guess this kind of rips off of, well, not rips off of, just takes from similar material from the most recent Be Cool Scooby-Doo episode we did. You know, a dunk tank? So it's like a dunk tank, but there's no water in it. Or maybe there's water in it. I don't care. And huh. Scooby and Shaggy okay. are trying to get away from the monster. You know what? I'm sorry. This isn't a Scooby-Doo, but I think it's a great visual gag, and I wish that it was in this. You just have a great visual gag you want to tell us about. We just gave them a long explanation of the Scooby-Doo. Now we'll show you what the Scooby-Doo is. Forget that. Evan has a joke. It's funny. So, um, so Scooby and Shaggy are in the bottom of this dunk tank, um, and they're trying. And it doesn't matter if there's water in it, if there's not water in it. Who cares? Um, and the man crab tries to grab them at the bottom of this dunk tank, so it puts its hand, claw in, and it goes down, and it doesn't catch anything. 
so it comes back up and then it moves around and it drops again and then it grabs one of them and I guess they go, maybe Scooby like faints or something and then they try to bring it up and then he like slips through and it's just the, the man crab getting frustrated being sort of a living uh, claw machine game. I, I will say that this is a great gag that you've directly lifted from Be Cool Scooby-Doo. It's a great one. Good on you for it. And one that begins with Scooby and Shaggy having already been dunked into a dunk tank, a carnival scenario, and then proceeds with the crab doing an arcade scenario gag with them, all during a beach tournament episode. Do you not think there can be dunk tanks on the beach? Okay, so there's a dunk tank on the beach for an unrelated, like, I guess there's a carnival going on along with the volleyball there thing. There's like a, or there's a school fundraiser happening. And we come upon Scooby and Shaggy already having been dunked. So, like, someone has already thrown the... They're hiding from the man crab. They're hiding from the man crab in this. So it's not even like, that's not a, okay, it's not a Scooby-Doop. You already said it's not a Scooby-Doop. It's not a Scooby-Doop. I, I feel like you're hiding behind it not being a Scooby-Doop when that's the worst thing about it. <laughs> I don't know whether to cut all of this or to make this the least cut episode we've ever done because frankly... This is hilarious, and I love it. Okay, this. what's your Scooby Doop? Or sorry, but what when I say what is yours? I mean, what is the only Scooby Doop? That... What is an act? What is an actual Scooby Doop? Okay, so they're <laughs> they're at one of those ball toss, those ring toss games, and uh, Scooby and Shaggy have already tossed the ring successfully. Oh, wait, 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 wait! I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 dude! It's not a Scooby Doop, but Scooby and Shaggy have already successfully tossed rings onto bottles. <laughs> And one a giant teddy bear. They're hiding behind the giant teddy bear. <laughs> I'm sorry, okay? You know what I will say? I'm having a hard time coming up with a Scooby-Doop. And I'm realizing how often in these episodes, I'm like, what would be a good Scooby-Doop? And then you say a good one, and I'm like, yeah, that one. That's ours. That's both of us. By Luke and Evan. So, look, let me just slap a generic Scooby-Doop onto this man crab. What would be the most um, generic Scooby-Doop possible? The most generic one is that he, they're in these caves running away from this man crab, and the man crab comes around the corner, and all of a sudden, Scooby and Shaggy have set up a little French bistro, and they seat the man crab and proceed to, like, serve him. And the man crab is like, oh, shoot, I'm in a restaurant. I have to be polite and not be a monster. That's essentially what the Scooby-Doop is. Typically, they are better. That, that, that is typically true. Here is an alternate Scooby-Doop um, that I think might play into something in this episode that might work well. Um, the monster comes along, comes across Scooby and Shaggy who are running a Trickles Trickwid um, stand. And the Scooby and Shaggy try and offer the, uh, the man crab some Trickles Trickwood, which he flatly refuses. Scooby and Shaggy are like, oh, you want some of that high-calorie stuff. You're in a bulk phase. And then they pour, like, some straight-up, like, something vile, like, like blended clam or something like that for the crab that uh, debilitates I it. have one. Oh, lay it on And me. it is amazing. Rule of threes. This is the, the, should be the best one by all means. So, so they're on the beach, and the man crab is coming at them, and it's coming very fast. Mm. Um, and and um, Scooby is wearing, like, uh, or I guess, I guess Scooby has to be wearing the bikini. Um... And Shaggy's sort of like trying to, uh, like they're both lying on like a on like a beach towel, and he's like trying to impress her, her being Scooby in this situation. And the man crab is racing at them, but since um, 
but since he has to stop so abruptly so as not to crash into them, because that's not the man crab's intent, it's trying mm-hmm. to chase them, um, it inadvertently kicks Sand in Shaggy's face. And then Shaggy's all like, <laughs> you've, you've shamed me at this beach. Scooby swoons at the man crab. Um, we have a little montage where Shaggy then... <laughs> where Shaggy orders a workout book from... A- <laughs> from a Hardy Boys comic book, Shag- Shaggy like drives home. He looks at himself in the mirror. His his uh, his biceps sag. He's all like, "Oh, I'm so scrawny." He orders away. It comes back. He's like bulking up he with like back. those very ball shaped then... uh, barbells, and he's wearing like a a tight boxer brief swimsuit that goes past his belly button. <laughs> like an old timey strong man. And then he comes back, and then he kicks sand in the man crab's face, <laughs> and then they escape. I have to say that is unwieldy and perfect. Primo, that's perfect. I think it's really good. Brilliant Scooby-Doop. That's exactly what the Scooby-Doop is and should be every time. There's none of that here. And I think, can we just fast forward through this chase scene to say that it's scary, it's cinematic, it caps with everyone returning to the cauldron and the plunger. The, The man crab is caught by the trap that Fred originally set up. I mean, the man crab steps on a plunger. Everyone knows what happens when you step on a plunger. It's like stepping on a rake. It's an inevitability when it comes to comedy that a spring will launch a <laughs> launch you uh, along with a metal lid onto and into a pot, slamming you in there. Uh, one thing that happens that I do like is that when the monster's slammed in there, its extraneous limbs are chopped off. And you can see that it's a robot. And that's kind of a good callback to the Dylan and Brenda opening, because Brenda says initially, like, oh, this is so much work getting all this stuff set up. I can't wait until robots take care of everything for us. It was nice. I, d- I did like that. And I-, I do think it's cool for them to sort of, like, somewhat half-unmask the monster by doing this whole limb removal thing. Yeah, it, it speaks to the nature of the monster without the identity being a factor just yet. It's a nice way of revealing it in stages. I also like what they do, which is kind of similar to some old episodes of Scooby-Doo. Um, when they lift the lid off, Fred is immediately saying, Ah, we've got you, uh, Skipper Shelton, who he thinks it must be. And then before we even see who's actually in there, Skipper Shelton walks up from behind and is like, Oh, did you guys catch the bad guy? Or however he talks. Yeah, it was like laundry day. So the crab is caught. It's not Skipper Shelton. He was doing his laundry because it's laundry day. So who could this be? Let's hit. Let's do the rundown. It's it's either, it's basically either, in my mind when I was watching this, it's either Skipper Shelton, who now, it now can no longer be, or it's uh, Peter Trickle. Oh, aside from Patty Warbucks, the uh, sheriff, who, again, is more of a recurring character. And in fact, when Fred uh, sort of t- removes the mask from the man crab, I was like, who who is this? Who are you? And it's one of the kids from the picture that we saw in the newspaper. And it's also the person who wore the bottle mascot mascot outfit at the very beginning of the episode. His name is correct me if I'm wrong, Bud Shelton? What the flying F? But no relation? No relation. I mean it's uh, um Huh, Bud Shelton is also credited as Bud Coleman in the credits. Because at no point, at no point does Skipper Shelton say, like, Ah, me no good nephew. Uh, wow, that accent went two different places. It's, we, neither of us have done him exactly right, I don't think. But it's, uh... <laughs> um, Velma figured it out. She's very smart. Um, she noticed that, uh, there's sort of, like, three freckles 
on his face, which matched the face in this old newspaper. And then also Daphne was manhandled, sorry, man crab handled by this monster um, and did not turn into a monster herself. So, and she's Mm. allergic to shellfish. So, and sorry, can we talk about how Daphne is allergic to, I guess, two different things? I almost brought it up before, but in the previous episode that we watched, or maybe the one before it, she's allergic to genuine alligator skin. No, she's allergic to synthetic leather. Oh, synthetic leather, that's right. She shows us with that little bondage moment. Yeah. Go back and listen to that episode if you want to hear it. But yeah, Daphne's allergies are a frequent recurrence. And play a a plot point of sorts. Here, it's a sloppier plot point, because really the only two things we had to go on were the fact that uh, Daphne, uh, Velma saw that one of the teenagers who disappeared was evidently someone who advertises for Trickle's Trickwid. Not unimaginable that the disappeared person actually showed up at some point and was documented in another newspaper and then had to get a job. And the fact that the man crab wasn't a real crab. That should have kind of been a given, Velma. So Bud Shelton, um, apparently Trickle's Trickwood was his idea. He wanted to call it uh, Bud's Bloosh. His invention. Um, I also don't know why he like feels so protective of this thing he invented, which is diet water. And all the jokes about it being diet water happen right at the front end. From then on, it's taken seriously. It's played straight down the middle. There's this whole... I know, I know we could have done this a little bit earlier, but there's this whole uh, brand called Boxed Water. It's water in like a carton. Boxed Water tastes better. That's what the ad says. Boxed Water is better is what is what it says. Ah. And that's the name of the brand is Boxed Water is better. And it's just water that's in a box. Yeah, with what seems like a complete absence of branding. It's, it's just black it. and white. To, to the point where that is the branding, yeah. That is... In my mind, the epitome of I have more money than I know what to Here's do. Here's the with. thing: more money than sense. that. I just checked on this article, which I will put in the show notes. Oh yeah. Apparently, the benefit to box water is not that the water itself is better because it's just water. It's that it's just better for the environment because it's a box instead of a uh, plastic bottle. I believe that. I believe that boxes are technically better, although if it's lined and it can't be recycled the same way, I don't think. Though that might be something they take into account with these box water. Overall. Buying your water in any kind of container is really bad for the environment. Just don't buy water. Water is free. I mean, it's not free, but like... A reusable container. Buy a reusable container. That's all you need. Box water is worse. Yeah, the best possible thing is to just (laughs) not drink any water. Let's just say that Bud invented Trickle's Trickwid, the product. Diet water, essentially. And he made a robot suit. And he made a robot. Like, the skill sets here seem so different. One is, like, pure con artist who has no design capabilities. And the other is, like, brilliant Tony Stark-level inventor. And, like, person who has those kind of resources, too. So when Bud uh, had his product essentially stolen by Trickle, Bud wanted to get revenge by inventing this robot suit and over the course of 10 or 20 years, or I don't know what, take Trickle down. Uh... Daphne's like, why didn't you just sue him? And he's like, lawsuits take a long time. And that's it. That's his only justification. And again, he seems to have been at this for years. He built an underground layer and designed a robot costume that's on the level of the Hulkbuster. Actually, yeah. In Infinity War, out this weekend. <laughs> oh, is that coming out this weekend? Ooh, it actually is, cool. this Friday. Oh, tight. Um, the 24th, 27th. I had no idea I was more interested in Westworld, another robot thing. Um, Westworld. 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 <laughs> okay, Westworld. sorry, is that a thing? 
Is that a thing where they whisper Westworld? I don't think so. <laughs> in your Are mind- Are you serious? In your mind, they whisper Westworld at so many different points. Have we made a joke about that? <laughs> they say you, it at some point? Every time you bring up Westworld, you whisper it. <laughs> and I, I've actually, in conversations with other people in which Westworld is a topic of discussion, I've said, Westworld. And then they've looked at no, me dude. like I'm a weirdo. <laughs> yeah, man, that's because it's a weird thing I did in an episode. <laughs> Why on earth would you take a weird thing I do in one of our episodes and think, this thing, this one thing, I put Luke on blast for 90% of what he does, but this thing, I'm going to think it's normal. <laughs> you kept doing it. And then I had to justify myself. I was like, oh, is it in the Westworld commercials? Don't they whisper it at the end? <laughs> I don't think I'm taking no responsibility for you thinking that from what I think. No, dude, I just said it as like a like I made a reference and now the fact that I'm naming that reference shows how clunky the reference I made was and makes it clunkier. Oh my gosh. I like it's so married in my mind. Like whenever I think Westworld, I think I don't even think Cowboys first. I think of someone whispering Whispered the word Westworld. Westworld. Oh, man. I mean, now that I think of it, in just about every scene, someone does whisper Westworld. But that's not a plot. Like, that's not a, something that's noticeable in this show. This is unbelievable. I'm like... This I... episode has gone on and off the rails so much. Uh, but we're pretty much at the end of it. Bud was the villain. He was trying to get back at Mr. Trickle. He was so dumb. Everyone was so, so dumb. But they have caught the villain. He would have succeeded, too, if it weren't for you meddling brats probing into my crustacean-themed revenge scheme. I like it when they do a take on that. That's fun. Uh, right at the end, Daphne's like, oh, hey, what did I miss while I was in this cage with a seagull and other teens? Mm. Um, and she sees the photo of all those, uh, of those missing teenagers, and she notices that they're all wearing lockets that match a locket that she found in the first episode of this series. Yeah, or they. she notices that two of the kids are the same people that are in the locket. It's also the same locket. Oh, it is as well? Okay, I didn't notice that parallel, but yeah. So we're, we're kind of uncovering a mystery by increments, but for me, partly because we're watching it so far apart, I don't notice it at all. Like, I don't know what we're building to. I'm not grasping the build. Like, at the very end of this episode, if I may say it, the gang is talking about, like, oh, what is this? What's the mystery? The locket, Mr. E... And these kids from a long time ago, we pan back from the gang saying this to see Angel is listening to them from the sound booth. And then Angel turns and looks at the camera. And then the episode ends. Like, she just stares at the camera for a good moment. And that, like, that threw me a little bit because unlike you, I'd, I've never observed Angel do anything that seems suspect. She has been, like, two things about, three things about Angel. One exploitation like kind of character i think that's a huge thing like kind of a, that's a big aspect of her design she's been somewhat helpful to the gang for no real reason like there's no justification for her relationship except the gang hangs out at kegel radio station and three she's suspicious when the gang seems to be discovering stuff with mr e she's conspicuously silent or side eyes or something like that which would be meaningful if we had any characterization from her at all but this show seems to think that when a character furthers the plot that's characterization and I mean, it's not i i will say that for as much as you've said about the women on this series being like very thin in terms of characterization i do think that the men are just as thin if not more so because they don't have 
they don't have really strong desires and are not and are not necessarily stymied by them. I think possibly Shaggy somewhat more so because he's trying to balance um, Velma's affections and not uh, betraying his friend. But yeah. they're very. I think here's the thing: everyone is pretty one-dimensional on this show, but the one dimension that characterizes the women is their is ties in with their gender, um, such that it's worse in my mind. For instance, Shaggy's into food, Fred's into traps. Velma and Daphne are characterized by their desire for their respective men. And that's pretty much all there is to them. But isn't isn't Velma very sassy? Isn't she's just sort of like she's a skeptic and also like she smart talks people a lot. I feel like that's a big part of who she is on the show. You're right. That that is I guess a big part of who she is and it's all negative. I guess yeah, they make her I don't think that's necessarily negative. I think people I think that is an appealing part of her character. I think that would be an appealing part of her character, but I think she comes off as unlikable. For me, at every stage, she's not... I mean, I feel bad saying that I think her character is unlikable at so many different stages here, but I do think she comes off as mean, as snide, and I, I fully accept that I might be alone in that, but I think that's... This show really fails its characters. And I, I will say, here's something I don't want to be saying, is that I don't think a female character can be portrayed as sassy, um, snide or sarcastic or any of those things. Or as or as lovesick, which is like, yeah, that's like a thing that people feel. And or as are... lovesick. I mean, hey, that's something everyone, like anyone can be that, anyone can feel that. That can be separate from the gender, but, and so I guess that is an aspect of Velma's character outside of her gender, but the way it plays into her desire for Shaggy and the way she wants to control Shaggy is the primary end of that. I, I thought, I definitely thought that the humor was this, out of all of the mystery incorporated episodes we've seen so far i think this has been the strongest as far as humor i think the creeping creatures was slightly stronger for me for some parts but that's just my opinion listeners if you differ from me stick around for the outro and we'll tell you where you can follow up with us and uh, give us your opinions on this episode and then and then we say a joke ha 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 and then uh and then you play that little musical cue and then the outro starts <laughs> Oh, man, what an episode. That was a great listen, wasn't it, Evan? I mean, we didn't listen to it. I guess we talked. You listened to me, and I presume you heard yourself. I mean, just a general vocal backsplash. You hear yourself talking, even though you don't need to. Um, so, yeah, I guess we both did listen to that episode in addition to talking that episode out. Welcome to the outro, listeners. This is the outro portion where we're going to tell you uh, how you can follow up with us. Evan, you're, you're laughing. I take it I've been very funny already so far. Why are you still talking? Like, you said so much. Can you give our listeners a taste of someone's voice other than mine and tell them where they can follow up with us? If you want to go to facebook.com slash scoobydudes, you can leave us a comment and uh, tell Luke how wrong he is. <laughs> tell me how great this series is. Honestly, like, prove me wrong I think Mysteries Incorporated is one of the weaker Scooby-Doo series. And it is some people's favorites. They hold it up as the gold standard of Scooby-Doo. Also, feel free to go to Twitter.com mm. slash TheScoobyDudes and tweet at us and tell Luke how you disagree No, don't, don't do it publicly. No, 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 no. No, ScoobyDudes.com, uh, ScoobyDudesPodcast at gmail.com. Do it privately. Agree with me on Twitter and Facebook. What, what I'm going to say is um, if you do send us an email, feel free to screenshot it and then post that to Facebook and Twitter. Yeah, that's fine. I'm okay with that. You know, I've honestly, because I I think I'm pretty funny in some of our responses, I've thought of posting our emails. <laughs> You're <laughs> like, so full of yourself. I am. I'm really, ugh. You're an like, Ouroboros of, uh, somebody. <laughs> like, that's how full of yourself you are. You're, you're an actual Ouroboros. <laughs> 
<laughs> Somebody has to be full of me, and so I'll take that mantle up. <sighs> Twitter, Facebook, ScoobyDudes.com, and uh, Gmail. If you go to ScoobyDudes.com, uh, if you find the page for this particular episode, there is an actual little comments um, widget that I've put on the website. There you can leave a comment and tell Luke that his opinion is not one that you share. Okay, okay, enough, enough. Also, if you go to iTunes, leave us a five-star review, and in that review say that um, the things that Luke thinks and feels are not the things that you think or feel, or that really anyone thinks or feels, I will read that on this podcast. Evan will read that if he can find it before I delete it, because I will delete it if you write it. If you wait, disagree wait, with you're me... You're deleting other people's reviews? I don't care. Five stars, even if you find a way to give us more stars, I will delete the review if you voice even the slightest criticism of me. Even the slightest word against me. I'm like the Church of Scientology. I play aggressive defense. The best defense is a good offense. Um, no, really do write us a five-star review on iTunes. Evan will read it on air. It'll be fun for all of us. It'll help all of us, especially if you live in Canada. Lastly, far from leastly, give us your money on Patreon.com. It's how we get our original title card art, how we pay for it every single week for every single episode. It's how we justify putting all this extra content out there on Patreon.com slash ScoobyDudes. Sign up for Patreon. If you become one of our patrons, there is a messaging feature and what you can do is you can bring up this messaging feature and you can pen or uh, type up a little message that says to Luke that Luke is, um, uh, what's another word for, uh, for patently, just patently false in, in the things that he says. Do you think I'm going to help you? You think I'm going to crack open a dictionary or a thesaurus here and, uh, and give you the word you need to put do me, me on blast? Do me a solid, man. Is that what you're Throw looking for, Evan? Bone. Because I'm not going to do it. All right, man, what word is it? <laughs> no, 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 I'm done. <laughs> okay. uh, I think that's everything. Um, yeah, that really, that's it. Oh, but of course, if you donate to us on Patreon, we'll shout you out the first time, big time, and we'll shout you out every other week, also big time. We'll do it every other week. We'll also do it every other other week. <laughs> it's like, we'll do it every odd-numbered week and every even-numbered week. Is there a better way of putting that? No, I think that's it. That's the most concise. That's the small. That's the most uh, limited subset we can define it as. So be like these people. Donate to us on Patreon so we can thank you. Thank you, these people. And with that being said, and with that being done, I think that I am going to eat another box of mac and cheese. Oh, Evan. People are going to see that on you so easily. I mean, you might be able to go out in public right now because it's been a few hours and people won't notice it. But if you have another one, you're going to be like a beacon, like a lighthouse. Yeah, it really sets in after the first hour or two. You're not, yeah. you're not really demonstrating. Don't, I don't know what's Big going on Big time. Here. And I am going to finish drinking this green sludge that Ipti Sam made as a shake, which actually tastes really good. What's in it? Ipti Sam, what's in this shake? Lots of kale. Lots of kale. You, did you put some like lime juice or something in it? There's some lime juice. That's good. It made me think it was kiwi. Yeah. But really, so it's just a lot of kale. Part of that. If you can make me think best. kale is kiwi, you've succeeded. You have truly pulled the wool over my tongue. <laughs> Stop <laughs> laughing at your own jokes. This tastes jokes. like wool, Ipty Sam. It's disgusting. He's laughing at the fact that I'm laughing at my own joke and saying I shouldn't. Who, That's what he's who doing. Who says something clever and then, like, chuckles to themselves? <laughs> I do because it was clever. 
You admitted it was clever just now. <laughs> you, man, I love you. Uh. At least swear back at me. <laughs> I thought about it. You saw me pausing. I thought about it.